Did you know a podcast episode like this can provide literally dozens of marketing content assets for your business? It's brought to you by Content Monster, your go-to for engaging marketing content, like this podcast or remote video production. It's not just a podcast, it's your marketing powerhouse. Visit contentmonster.com to learn more. That's contentmonsta.com. Welcome to the Security on Cloud podcast. Brought to you by Anishin, where cloud security and compliance are top of mind. Join the conversation with your hosts, John Vecchi and Scott Emo. Welcome, everybody. You're listening to the Security on Cloud podcast live on Anishin Radio. I'm your host, John Vecchi. And I'm Scott Emo. You know, imagine if we could predict the future. You know, how much easier would our life decisions be? Like, wow, I should have never dated that girl back in college. (laughs) Or I should have held that stock just a little bit longer. But predicting the near future, especially in cloud security, can be both fun and eye-opening. And that's exactly what we intend to do today. Yeah, that's right, Scott. You know, tis the season for trends and predictions as we kick off the new year. And we're going to cover our own list of top predictions today on the Security on Cloud podcast. We're all about trends in cloud security and compliance with this podcast and diving into some of the top ones for 2022 is a great way to give you all a bit more insight on what may lie ahead and what actions and preparations you might want to be thinking about to prepare for the year ahead. And with that, I'd like to welcome today's very special guest. He's an internationally recognized public speaker, an award-winning college professor, four-term mayor, and advisor to federal, state, and local governments. He's been featured on numerous TV programs, webcasts, and in newspaper articles around the world. He currently serves as president and CEO of Hypergrowth Solutions, a company specializing in the integration of business and technology. And he's also a clinical professor in the Ryan College of Business at the University of North Texas. He's given not one, but two TED Talks discussing the modularity and the internet of things, as well as why end users should be part of the network. Coming to us from Justin, Texas, I'd like to welcome our guest, Dr. Michael Savoie. Michael, thank you so much and welcome. Thank you. Well, thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure to be with you today. You know, um, Michael, before we get going, uh, before we dive into all the topics, you know, can you tell us a little bit about Hypergrowth Solutions and how it ties in with your background and experience? Sure, be happy to. So Hypergrowth Solutions, or HGS as we refer to it, began in 1998 to deal with, as you might expect, uh, companies experiencing hypergrowth due to the explosion of the internet. Uh, In HGS, we focus on the integration of disruptive technologies with the business activities of an organization. We tie those activities to the company's key performance indicators. So in essence, we focus on the holistic business, not just the technology, because disruption occurs in the entire business, not just in the technology space. That's phenomenal. That That's interesting. And I think we'll, we'll talk about, and you'll talk about more about how that ties in, right? Um, and, and so welcome, by the way. I think, I believe today we're going to cover, I believe you said, what, up to five predictions? How many are we going to kind of cover today? I know you have probably more than that, but I know you picked, you cherry picked the right ones for today, right? Yeah, so I think we'll get through, we'll get three to five in there, depending on the number of questions y'all come up with as we start to talk through this. That's fantastic. Excellent, excellent. 
All right. Uh, what do you say we kick it off, Scott? What do you say? Yeah, well, actually, I would like to find out, you know, before we even get into the predictions, well, I, I, I think our, our listeners would love to hear how you go about you coming up with all your predictions. You know, like, are you, what process are you using uh, to, to come up with these? Okay, so uh, back in the early 90s when we started working with the internet and, and dealing with disruption, um, forecasting models don't handle disruption well. And so if you have a forecast model, most of the traditional models are based off of history. So you have to have historical data and you have to have a continuing trend, if you will. So you can't predict the future if you don't have the past is a short way of saying it. And with the Internet and the explosion of the Internet in the late 90s, uh, the forecasting, everything was changing so quickly that the forecasting models simply weren't working. And so we started looking at that and realized that disruption causes innovation. So a lot of people will sit there and go, innovation causes disruption. But the reality is disruption causes innovation. Um, and so those two things are tied together. And so we develop what's called wave theory. And wave theory basically goes in and looks at a number of different what we call waves or drivers of the environment. So they're socioeconomic drivers. Most people and probably in your audience are aware of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm -hmm. So with Maslow's idea, these are what we call base waves. A base wave would be you're not really worried about safety if you're trying to survive. You know, the example I use all the time is cavemen would go out and attack a saber-toothed tiger even though they knew it would kill them if they were starving to death. If they had just eaten, trust me, they're hiding from that saber-toothed tiger, right? So safety becomes more important. And so we look at all of these different waves that are out there. So we start with the base wave. So of, you know, survival, safety, social, and then we move up from there into the things we're dealing with today. So it may be convenience, privacy, security, legal, regulatory, and we analyze how all of those things interact with each other. And then that allows us to bridge the disruption that's occurring and predict how the waves will drive the market, which manifests in the products and services that we see in the future. So that's what wave theory is. That's what we use in a very short version of it. That's wow. phenomenal. I, I love the, you know, the whole idea that it's the disrupt disruption that drives the innovation, um, which is, is, is so true in, in many ways. So I love that. Um, it sounds like we're, we're in for a treat on, on some of the, the things you've been seeing, specifically applying that type of an approach. Um, so we've got three to five trends. Uh, we're going to try to get back them. So, so, so how about I kick it off? Let's look at your, uh, you know, look into your crystal ball and, uh, um, let's talk about, uh, what should we kick off? When is the first, first trend you think we should expect in 2022? Let's talk about it. So when we talk about cloud security, there's a number of different aspects that we're looking at, a number of different, like I said, drivers that are involved in this. But I think the first one I'd, I'd like to talk about is this concept of third-party cloud security and compliance requirements evolving to include the location of data and applications, the physical location. And I think that's one that we're seeing already. We're seeing a lot of it, but I think it's going to continue and accelerate as a trend as we move forward. So I, I thought that, you know, when you move, when people move to the cloud, a lot of times they don't care where, you know, where, where their applications or data, you know, it resides. Um, that's kind of one of the things that people have in their heads. It's like, well, shoot, it's just in the cloud. Um, how is this, you know, how is that, uh, you know, can you, can you go into this a little bit more, dig in a little bit more? Cause I don't quite get why you think data 
data location is going to be and data and application location is going to be an issue um, in the cloud. Right. And, and it's got, I think you're spot on. Most of us sit there and use the cloud. I use it just like everyone else, right? I put data in the cloud so that no matter where I am in the world, I can access my data. And that's the way we tend to think of it. But when you start talking about security, one of the things we're seeing, especially right now, it's being driven mostly by federal governments. But they're coming in and they're saying, no, we want to know physically so, for instance, in the United States, if you have a federal government contract in the United States and you are working with data that has any level of security on it, that data must be kept within the boundaries of the United States. It cannot go outside. Mm -hmm. We have a client we're working with right now in Europe, uh, and they're involved in some stuff that has to do with GDPR. And they've been told point blank by the EU, the data cannot leave the EU. And so that's where we're starting to see this. And that's not really the way we originally set up the cloud to operate. The idea was that you would put your data centers wherever you wanted to. And if the data was available wherever you were, everybody was happy. But that's not the trend we're seeing now. And we're seeing more and more contracts that are starting to reference, hey, physical location of the data needs to be specified within the contract. And Michael, do you see compliance mandates commercial compliance and mandates that will also start requiring that in other words for sure government right i mean you, you look at federal space and eu and these government and, and everyone they're companies that do a tremendous amount of business are just going to offer your business in the european union for example that's that's pretty massive if suddenly this is something but are there other mandates that uh, companies may get up against that that will require this do you see we're starting to see more and more uh, companies that are starting to specify where they want the data located. So, for instance, you may have somebody like IBM that's both a federal government contractor and is working a lot in the private sector. But they may they may come in and start specifying this. And we're starting to see this in the contracts to their cloud providers of saying, look, you know, we want data to be moved within a specific geographical location. Um, so it's not just the governments that we're seeing. We are seeing some of the private industry doing this. You know, one of the examples, and it's a great example for your for your for your audience to to understand. You know, we had a client where they were working primarily in private sector, uh, but they were a sub of a sub that was doing some government work, and they happened to move some data from the United States into Canada and then back into the United States. And they lost that contract because it violated the prime contract with the federal government to do it. So, like I said, we're seeing it at the federal government level, but it's, it's working its way down into all of this. And so if you look at AWS, if you look at Azure platforms and stuff, um, three, four, five years ago, you, you didn't know where they put your data. They didn't tell you and, and it wasn't really readily available. Now you can you can go online and you can find out exactly where your data, uh, which data centers have your data. So it's becoming top of mind to people now. And if you're, you know, if you're operating in the cloud space, and especially if you're operating in security, you're going to see this in your compliance documents where it's going to say, hey, you need to at least reveal to us where the data is being stored. You know, that, that makes total sense now, the way, the way you've, you frame that. So uh, thanks. I think I, I, I like that prediction. I think that's going to happen. So um, let, let's, uh, let's shift gears and let's see if we can get to the, uh, get, what, do you have a second one? 
Yeah, so um, the next one we're looking at has to do, obviously, with IoT devices. And I think everybody in the audience is aware that IoT is exploding everywhere. But IoT devices, by their very nature, the way they were designed in, in the very beginning and the way they're built now is they do not include security on the IoT device. Right. And so as we start to connect these devices around the world, we need to be aware that the security and compliance standards are not there. And so as you start to drag this data in, if you will, from the IoT devices, that this stuff starts to uh, increase by magnitudes into your cloud, you need to be aware that this data is coming in completely devoid in most cases of any type of security protocol at all. Yeah, I mean, this is a big one, uh, as I see it. Um, this is, as, as as you guys know, this is, it's exploding. I mean, I think in terms of IoT, it's kind of like where we were with kind of the first, you know, versions of laptops uh, and, you know, the internet when things weren't secure at all. You think in terms, right, Michael, of uh, organizations can have a thousand IoT devices, right? Uh, touching multiple, multiple of them touching multiple employees, all potentially, you know, um, able to connect back to their cloud environments. And some of these IoT devices, they're almost like super many computers. I mean, they've got multi-gig hard drives on them and and they're as uh, hackable as as anything they have. So, you know, when we think in terms of that, I think it's a great prediction. What, how do, how should people be thinking about this? A massive area. Uh, So there's a, John, and, and you, you, you touched on a lot of things here, and it's really important for your audience to understand. We're not just talking about data that's stored in the cloud. We're talking about data that's moved through the cloud, yeah. right? And so if your data center, and, and I'll, I'll use this example because I love this one, right? So we worked with a client in Las Vegas where a casino was hacked. And we were looking into the hacking and what exactly happened. And what turned out to be the the point of entry was an internet-connected thermometer in a fish tank in the lobby of the casino. Mm. And and that really is what your audience needs to take away from this, right? Um, we can hack, you know, people are connecting their lawn sprinklers to the internet. They, you know, different devices all over the place. And they go, well, I'm not really storing data. You know, it's just texting me on my cell phone to tell me what's going on. But that data is moving through the cloud. And if that data moves through your data center, understand there is no security protocol or minimal, depending on what we're talking about, security protocol on that data as it comes in. So if someone wants to piggyback, as in the case of the the, the Internet thermometer in a fish tank, right? If somebody mm-hmm. wants, to, wants to hop on there and ride it in, the question is how far into your systems are you allowing this data to go? And, and that's where we see so much of the issues now that we're coming back and going, okay, these are the issues we're dealing with. We've had a grocery store chain that was hacked through their smart meters in their refrigeration systems. Uh, the people went in, they actually turned, one of the damages that they did was they turned the refrigerators off. And so they lost $50,000 worth of inventory because the refrigerators were turned off. I mean, we have story after story after story of these type of things. And as we connect more and more devices to the internet, this is, it just simply creates more and more access points. 
and we need to be aware of that and we need to make sure that our cloud is monitoring that data as it either comes in or it flows through. Uh, either way, we need to be aware of what's going on. Yeah, that is so. That is so true. And yeah, and those are uh, th- those. Some of those are classic stories, and you hear them all the time of uh, of different IoT mm-hmm. devices getting get, getting hacked. And it's not only what, what's interesting is you brought up. It's not only the just the hacking part, but it's the data moving from cloud to cloud. And so you know, we we uh, sometimes and you know on the on the podcast we've talked about zero trust and um you know being able to, being mm-hmm. able to you know only those uh, with the ability to access can get that access. So um. It, it's that they uh and iot's are not designed with zero trust in mind at all so so no. um that that's that's a great no point. and zero trust you know scott it's what we talked about before with the waves right uh waves compete with one another so privacy security right so we have those different things that that go with and zero trust and data access tend to compete with one mm-hmm. another we all want the data when we want it where we want it how we want it and yet we aren't really thinking about, okay, is that coming, A, is the data good? B, is it coming through a secure channel, a you know, quote, good channel? Is it being routed through secure areas, right? So zero trust tends to, you know, focus in on that type of stuff and go, hey, we need to make sure we're getting it. But you and I are sitting there going, hey, latency, latency, latency. I want my data when I want it. And so we have those competing what we call waves, right, competing waves. And so we're looking at that all the time in terms of what is it affecting or how is it affecting the flow of data and the security and compliance protocols? Yeah, it's, you know, boy, uh, we'll move on to other trends. But this could be, you know. We could spend an entire podcast just talking about, I mean, I, this is so massive and, and, you know, you think about these devices and God only knows how out of date the firmware is on any one of these could be sometimes years out of date. Think about your iPhone, not updating for three years, four years. That's what some of yep. these devices are like. I mean, and the implications on the cloud is incredibly deep and, and complex. Um, that's phenomenal. Uh, that's a, that's a big one. Uh, we, we may have to have you back, Michael, and just literally dive into that one. Um, so that's the IoT side. Amazing. Um, let's let's uh, let's move to trend three. What's the third trend you got? So the the third trend actually feeds off of the first two, right? So the, we've talked about the different what's happening with IoT, what's happening with cloud security. The third thing we're seeing is we're, we're seeing modularity entering into cloud security. Right. So let me explain what we're talking about there, because a lot of people will sit there and they go, well, modularity, you know, we have different data centers. Different data centers are not modularity. Modularity is when we're talking about integrating various clouds. So the the most common one we think of is either a hybrid cloud where you have a public private. Right. Mm -hmm. So most people are aware of that. They go, I have a private cloud, I have a public cloud. I integrate the two. I have a hybrid cloud. Um, But you really aren't integrating. What you're doing is you're modularizing. And as we talked about, as you start to flow magnitudes more of data, but, you know, in and out of your cloud. And once again, it it may be stored. It may not be stored. It may just be moving. Mm -hmm. Right. The question is, where is it coming from? How is it routed to you? So if it's coming from multiple different clouds 
and they may be multiple public clouds. It may go through a private cloud somewhere. It may go through a hybrid and then come back out. There's a number of different ways these things connect. And, and the simplest level, I, I think the simplest level to kind of think about, think about a lawn sprinkler system, right? I mentioned this earlier. So you've got a number of sprinkler heads that are out in the ground. They're measuring moisture content in the ground. They're measuring sunlight. They're measuring temperature. They're measuring humidity. They're feeding all back all of that back to a central controller that's usually in your garage. I mean, that's usually where people put it, right? That controller is then connected to the router in your house, which allows that router then to communicate or that controller to communicate with you on your phone or your laptop or whatever it is you want. Same thing with the ring doorbell, a Nest thermostat, mm-hmm. any of these type of things. Now, magnet, magnify that by, I don't know, a million, mm-hmm. a billion And now you start to see the problems that we're dealing with, right? So as modularity becomes the norm, because that's what it's going to do, right? The internet is called the internet because it's a network of networks. That's what it's created to be. We're driving the network into our very existence. So everything we do. And so as modularity becomes the norm, then what you're going to see is from a security and compliance standpoint, where is the weakest link Mm -hmm. in this network or this module, these modules that are out there? And that's where your security is going to have to start looking. You can say all day long, my cloud is absolutely secure. You know, Scott, you said we have zero trust. We're, We're rock solid, right? But where's your data coming from? And how secure is the cloud where it's coming from? Even if you don't store it, if it just flows through, how secure is where it's coming from? So, so thousands now, millions, if not billions of access points. And that becomes a major issue. So we have to start thinking in terms of cloud security. It's based on the weakest link of any connected device or any connected cloud. Yeah, that's, I mean, you can see with the complexity of, you know, how that could essentially be overlooked with with so many modular connection points and different types of clouds and hybrid clouds and this and that 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 how you know that's a mindset now that has to has to be seen right is just all these data points and what is the weakest link because you know you often are going to try to start with what you're comfortable with is i've got a very strong my primary cloud on AWS or Azure is very strong and my private cloud strong, but you're overlooking the fact that you have multiple, um, you know, connection points and mod- modular connect- connection points. And, and I think what you're saying is we need to really, those need to be viewed as what is the lowest level, weakest one of those. And that's the state of your security, essentially. Is that Mm-hmm. Is that the way to think about that? No, that's exactly the way to think about it. I mean, think about an organization where you have bring your own device, yep. right? Where you allow your devices to connect to the network. Well, your phone is a is a modular cloud. That's what it is. It's connected through Bluetooth to your car. It's got a connection to your Fitbit or your Apple Watch or whatever. We don't think of it that way, but we need to start thinking of it that way. Yeah, that 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 you're that is so right. Uh, the the whole weakest link concept, uh, you know, with you uh, network is a full chain, and everybody's got to look at that full chain, like you know, like you said, and any of the anything that uh, that you know, uh, a bad guy, a bad actor is gonna find, he's gonna look for that weakest link um, in in your you know the chink in your armor, basically for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, well, um, 
that's really good. I, and I want to, I can't wait to hear uh, number four. I, I don't know about you, John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. That, that's... Well, Scott, Scott, you gave us a great, a great segue into number four by mentioning chains, right? So number four is really what we're looking at with blockchain. And, and blockchain is a game is a game changer. And I, it, if you have a lot of listeners that are old like I am, uh, a lot of us look at that and go, "Isn't it the old peer-to-peer networking we played around mm-hmm. with in the '80s and '90s?" And the, the the short answer is yes. The longer answer is yeah, but it's a lot different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's uh, blockchain is is now becoming the norm. It's not, and we're not there yet, but what we're seeing, especially in the financial sector, blockchain is significantly ahead of everywhere else. You know, my area of research is really around supply chain and digitalization of supply chain. And so smart contracts are becoming a big deal. Um, And so as that comes along, we need to really look at our current security protocols and, and go, okay, is my protocol set up to where it can work with this new blockchain environment, or do I need to do modifications to get it there? And and we need to take those steps now so that we're ready for this when it happens, because uh, blockchain is going to move very quickly. It's going to move around the world very quickly. Like I said, in supply chain, you know, we were just kind of playing around with this stuff in 2017, 2018, um, and then in 2019, and then we had COVID. COVID didn't phase us in the least bit. A blockchain, we're going to come out of this global supply chain is going to come out of COVID very much focused on blockchain. And just a quick one, a quick kind of aside for your your, your listeners here. A lot of people will hear on the radio and television and stuff that blockchain, that the supply chain problems we're having today were caused by COVID. They weren't. Okay. We had the blockchain problem. We had the supply chain problems prior to COVID happening. COVID just made it to where we all got to see it. Mm -hmm. But a big part of that disruption is the innovation of blockchain. And so we're seeing that innovation come in. So when we do come out of this, if you aren't ready for blockchain, if your cloud is not ready to deal with a blockchain flow of data and able to deal with the compliance issues and stuff that start with that, you're going to be at a major disadvantage. You need to start now to make sure that you're set up to deal with this. Yeah, you know, it, it's uh, it's interesting, and, and I think you're right. I mean, you, you know, we look at many things that happened from COVID and the COVID economy. In fact, uh, Scott and I are working on a piece of research with Poneman right now uh, that will be published soon called the, Coast, uh, the, the Post-COVID Cloud Boom, where just cloud, obviously, as organizations were kind of caught off guard, and suddenly they were all remote, and suddenly they needed all kinds of new applications, and or they needed to just get to the cloud. I think I think your observation there that uh, there's also going to be a you know blockchain boom with I mean COVID will just add it's almost like a parallel economy when you think about mm-hmm. it as well right you can see how it just will become absolutely it's here and I think it's here to stay I, I would agree I think that the difficulty for some not only just trying to absorb what the hell the blockchain is and how it how it works but wh- how will their cloud providers help them what what do you you know when you think about that will cloud providers be able to step up and help with this or are they kind of on their own um preparing for blockchain i think it's fascinating john because you're spot on right so 
if you really think about it, if we cut through all of the, the wonderful technology advances we've had over the last 20 years, the reality is that at its base core, we still operate on a server client environment. Mm-hmm. That's our approach to things, right? Blockchain is not that. Blockchain is really the dissemination of the computing power across the network. And so as you start to look at these data centers and you start to look at your cloud providers and stuff, the question becomes, okay, what am I, what is my role now in this new supply chain, right? As, as we start to diversify, we start to modularize, as we start to move, all the things we've talked about, where do I as a cloud provider fit into that? What are my value-added services that I now provide? And there's a lot of them out there, but I would argue that they're probably not directly aligned with the way that you're operating today um i i think you're, that i think that's that sounds spot on but boy is it gonna that one's gonna be a a, a tough one i think to overcome um but i think you're right we we're, we're gonna have to address it yeah and another topic we could spend an entire <laughs> exactly uh, podcast on so <laughs> and and speaking of i i don't want to run out of time i want to hear your fifth yeah, well, I think okay. we've got a fifth. Let's let's uh, let's yeah. keep going. So the fifth one that we're looking at is has to do with economics, right? And so everything we've talked about before. So the question now becomes, as we're looking at this, how do we operate in this in this new kind of emerging environment? And what we're seeing is that it's going to become increasingly difficult and competitive to procure your cloud security and compliance budgets. Right. So we're talking about your budget to do your cloud security and compliance. It's going to be more and more complicated to get that budget unless you can show how it's tied to the bottom line of the business. Um, you know, I spend a lot of time with C-suites and with boards and it's it's every one of them now is coming back and going, OK, I want to tie all of these expenditures to the bottom line of the company. You've got to tell me what the business value is of me investing in this security or investing in this compliance. So, you know, it just like we're all tired of COVID and we're tired of hearing the government tell us lockdowns and this and that and the other thing. And everybody's just kind of like going, you know what, I'll just live with it. I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. We're starting to hear a lot. We're seeing a lot of tiredness on the port on the part of the C-suite and the board's with being told, oh, you need to spend money because what happens if you get hacked? The boards are coming back and they're going, you know what? You want the money, you tell me what's going to happen when I get hacked. I want to know the future today. And before I give you the money, I want to know exactly how you're going to use it and how it's going to make me safer. One of my favorite stories in this space was we were working with a company and with the board and the board was really kind of like, eh, you know, we won't spend money on security, which, you know, we'll deal with it when it happens. Well, when it happened was 530 in the morning when the board chair, wonderful lady, I think the world of, had a knock on her door at 530 in the morning and she opened the door to a full camera crew wanting a comment from her on the fact that they had just had 30 million records stolen out of their database, right? And so at that point, security became real to her. Mm -hmm. We as security people need to figure out how to make it real before that camera crew shows up at 5.30 in the morning, right? We need to figure out, okay, how do we go back to people who are not technical, who are not security personnel, and be able to explain to them why 
this expenditure of funds is going to benefit the company, right? And saying it's going to protect us is not a benefit to the company. So we really need to look at how we're doing this and how we're tying the budget requests that we have, the activities we have underway to the key performance indicators of the organization. It's a huge, huge, huge one. Um, And, you know, I'll tell you, for a lot of security leaders, this is hard, right? Um, I know Scott and I, we spend a lot of time, you know, this is a podcast sponsored by Anishin, and and everything we do revolves around empowering business growth, right? In other words, we don't want to talk about, you know, yeah, we do complicated stuff. We automate security and compliance in the cloud, but if we said that, who cares? Um, right. Really, it's what the hell are you going to do for me in my business uh, if we can then tie it to the fact that we are enabling business growth by alleviating things that others would otherwise need to do while also making you more secure. You know, again, you can tie that back to driving the business. What you're saying is we're going to have to start now. That's expected now, right? What are you doing to help the business, drive the business? How does it tie to a business case and that, you know, walking around every day and just saying, wow, we're security. We need to have this because it, you know, gives us protection against this is not going to cut it much anymore. Is that kind of the way, way to think about that, that Mike? That's it. Yeah, John, that's spot on. That's exactly what we're dealing with. You know, and, and people, you know, there's a very fine line between warning people of danger and becoming the boy who cried wolf. Mm-hmm. And, and we need to be very careful where we are with that. Security is absolutely critical, but it's not something that every, every day you're not going to see security, right? Security is protecting you. It's when security doesn't protect you that everybody sees it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we need to make sure that we're working to those bottom line numbers, working our budgets, working with the business folks in business language as to what we're actually doing for them. Yeah, and I real think that's quick, exa- Mike, sorry, Scott, real quick, Mike, do you get in your business and your company, do you get companies asking you how to articulate that, how to build a business case? Or is that, you know, I mean, it just occurred to me, that's probably, that's, that's something people will need. I think it's hard, yeah, right? It's, and John, it's becoming more and more, it's probably becoming a lot, the largest practice in our business now. Mm. Is is really sitting down with companies, going in. Uh, I'm I'm I just signed one last week where we're going in and they're implementing an ERP system. It's an incredibly expensive and complex system in the company. Um, we're going in specifically to write up how that's going to be presented to the board, how it's going to be presented to the stockholders and the stakeholders of the company. Um, and so, you know, they, they give me, I'm, I'm just a translator, right? They give me the language of security and, and, and technology, and I translate it into the language of business, and we put it back in the hands of the folks who can see it. Um, and so th- our goal is to get everybody on the same page. And as, as you and Scott well know, when we're dealing with technology, especially advanced technology like cybersecurity and, and the security and compliance and the cloud and stuff, it just goes right over people's heads. It, it really does. And it, you've got to be able to bring it down. And, and people will say, well, you just dumb stuff down. And I, I really argue with that point because our goal is not to dumb it down. Our goal is to change the language so that the intelligence of what you're doing is communicated in a language that the 
that the business folks can understand, yep. the non-technical people can, I don't say business folks, but the non-technical people can understand. Because if we're just dumbing it down, yep. uh, it's going to come back to bite you. It does every single time. Yeah, uh, jo- uh, John and I always talk about uh, time to revenue, um, and uh, that that's yep. uh, that's a specific uh, you know business need that, uh, that that a lot of our uh, our customers are looking for. So yeah, this, yeah. this and Scott, you know, as, Scott, that's a perfect example. You know, time to revenue is great. If you go into somebody and you go and they and a, a board member says, "Hey, what's you know you're telling me this? What's my return? When am I going to see value from this?" And you go, "I don't know. It'll be six to six to eighteen months. You're not getting a dime." <laughs> It's just the way it works, mm-hmm. right? You've got to be able to come in and go, look. And, and I just finished this with a CIO who did this. And he was he said, you know, I, he spent 20 minutes trying to explain to the board, you know, instead of just saying it'll be six months, he tried to explain, well, it could be six months. But if these things happen, it could be eight months. But if this happens, it could be four months. But, you know, blah, blah. And after 20 minutes, the board chair just went, you know what? You've confused everybody here. Why don't you go back and think about it, and maybe you can come back to the next board meeting and explain it. He lost his budget for three months, right? So it's three months delay on his budget that he really needed to get that day. And when we when we broke the meeting, he came up to me and said, I don't, I'm so mad. I'm so frustrated. You know, this money, we really, really need it. I said, why didn't you just say that? Mm-hmm. You know, why didn't you just explain why you needed the money instead of trying? He said, well, I was trying to answer the question intelligently. And I said, it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's so fit. So it's that's so true. I mean, these are so practical. I mean, uh, that's a, another big one. I think, you know, all of these, it's just been terrific. I mean, I, I think we could literally dive into every single one of these trends and spend a lot more time on them. Uh, but I think you've given our audience a lot of things to think about. Um, and I mean, what better way to end with the idea that, that, that security can really be a business enabler and a business growth enabler, but how the heck do you articulate that? And how do you put that into words, um, that can be understood by, by, by the executive team and the board. And then again, a whole nother area we could, we could spend, a lot more time on. Uh, I, unfortunately, we're out of time uh, on this one, uh, although we'd like to cover a lot more uh, trends with you, right? Well, I appreciate the time to spend with you. It's been, it's, I've enjoyed it immensely, and I'd be you know, happy to, if any of your folks in the audience have any more questions or want to reach out and ask, uh, get more information from us, they're welcome to, to do that. They can Reach us at Hypergrowth Solutions, um, our website. The easy way to get to the website is hgsonline.com. So if you just go to www.hgsonline.com, they can see what we're doing in the different areas that we're working in. They can also reach out to me through LinkedIn, or they can reach out directly by email at Michael at hgsonline.com so they can reach me there as well so i'm very simple when it comes to emails and stuff like that i like you like easy ones so just michael at hgsonline.com and we'd be happy to follow up with any of you listeners that have questions that's that's phenomenal and i think you know audience listen i mean michael's there i, I that's why I, I thought for sure you're probably getting you know companies and uh, loads of people wanting you to help them with the the last trend we just discussed though so, so thanks for sharing your 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 contact details uh it's it's fantastic thank you oh not a problem thank you for having me on the on the podcast and remember the security on cloud podcast is brought to you by anishan the leading cloud security and compliance automation provider 
delivering the fastest path to security and compliance in the cloud. Awesome. Thanks, Scott. And again, thanks to our guest, Dr. Michael Savoie. Until we meet again, I'm John Vecchi. And I'm Scott Emo. See you next time on Anishin Radio. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Security on Cloud podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe so that you can join us again for another episode. And for tips, show notes, and more episodes, check us out at anishan.com. See you next time. Did you know a podcast episode like this can provide literally dozens of marketing content assets for your business? It's brought to you by Content Monster, your go-to for engaging marketing content like this podcast or remote video production. It's not just a podcast. It's your marketing powerhouse. Visit contentmonster.com to learn more. That's contentmonsta.com.